You'll never believe this. A pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast to discuss how faith and tradition should inspire but not limit us. Yeah, we talk about stand-up comedy, surfing, religion, family issues, Doritos, hemorrhoids, the bears, and absolutely nothing at all. You'll have so much fun, you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders. I'm having to, I'm having to move my computer. You are for to have to move your computer? Or I do big work on, on screen talk. I know no one can see this, but look at that haircut, man. You ran like a little buzzy buzz. I run fast with no hair. <laughs> Makes Jump a big high. difference. Swim very smooth in water. Ah, you do Olympics? No. <laughs> Olympics. Olympics for silly puny man. Ah, he's big man, eh? Me big gymnasty. Is that what this they, is good. Yes, very good. What they call the flippers who do the bars and the beams and such gymnasties. They are gymnasty. <laughs> if they don't shower, they certainly are. Why you say? Eh, this is what I think. All right, enough of this nonsense. Let's get to the serious matter at hand of recording. Yeah, man, let's do podcast it. And distributing to billions of people worldwide and beyond now that we have two billionaires who have gone into space we can now broadcast this podcast to oh yeah they were definitely listening when other they were up un- there. on a, other universities wasn't it interesting it, it's <clears throat> it's two billionaires decide to go into space within a week of each other and yet they say they're not competing it's like you know what all, they said yeah yeah i don't buy that for a you second you have all the time in the world years decades that you've been planning and thinking and investing in this stuff and you go up in the same week and people are like "Eh, they're definitely competing at whose dick is bigger well the the funny thing is that you know that bezos like looked at the rocket and he was like i could get the rocket to make look less like a penis but i have to go now because he just went a minute ago i've got to go like i that that thing was ridiculous that rocket was so austin powers it was ridiculous yeah, I think he is. a. Um, so I've met a few egomaniacs in my life, uh, sheer narcissists. Um, and they, the, the two that I can think of are completely oblivious to just how obvious some of that stuff is. And I can imagine at that level, I mean, I don't know Bezos or uh, Richard Branson, but obviously, um, obviously. But I can imagine that at that level, there's a lot that they're oblivious to. So I, I don't know. I mean, and I, I haven't seen anybody ask him directly. Like, but it is exactly out of uh, Austin Powers. Totally. When they're totally. this guy, it looks like it looks like a giant dick. Can you handle this? <laughs> <laughs> it was so ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous. I mean, like. The only thing, I, I mean, I saw the one flight, the other guy's flight. I didn't see Bezos's flight. Was there a, a Shivan cat on the flight with him or there wasn't? I don't know what you're talking about. Really? You don't remember the cat in uh, Dr. Evil's cat? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did did Bezos remember. have a freshly Shivan cat with him on the flight? Why do you say Shivan? Isn't it shaved? I like to say Shivan. I think it's just fun that way. 
it's because it's, it's your Yiddish. You just have that. You got it's definitely it's definitely, definitely coming from some other world. There's no doubt about touch. it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I got this new uh, bracelet that I want to show you and show our listeners who are watching this podcast via uh-huh. ears. Yeah. Uh huh. Whoa. Yeah. What that is colorful in one color or two. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 all African turquoise. So you'll see there's oh. a lot of um, bright, vibrant blues and some teals. But then because it's an all natural stone, some of it's kind of um, marbled and brown. And but I feel mm. like it's like a good a good you know visually it's a good like it's more masculine than wearing something like bright blue turquoise. So I got I it as one because turquoise is my birthstone uh in december and the other i'm going on sabbatical next week for three months and so i was thinking like what sort of um energy do i need to like help um help me and and guide me what do i need to sort of learn and grow and so i started looking into um like energy crystals and such and turquoise let me read you what turquoise so it says african turquoise is considered the stone of evolution bringing about great change and transformation uh, opens up minds to possibilities of all things new and unknown it also helps us accept the need for change gives us strength to pursue with confidence it is about serenity creativity empathy positive thinking sensitivity intuition happiness and wisdom, all of which result in a calmer state that leads to a greater self-realization. But that was beautiful. And that's kind of the energy that I'm hoping to develop. You know, it's like sabbaticals are meant for both for like personal uh, restoration, but also development, you know, and growth. So it's sort of this balance, like restoring ourselves. We often feel like it has to be like lying on a beach, staring at the ocean but uh, personal development, we think, is about like going to conferences and reading books and learning something. So I thought it was a good balance. You know, it's like a calm state and self-realization. So that's why I got this bracelet. But it got me thinking, um, like, how crazy is it that we have this idea that there's these like mystical powers found in some rock that is touching my body? You know what I mean? Sure. Do you, no, do you, believe, do you believe that crystals and rocks and that kind of stuff carry energy that can be transferred to you and qualities that can transfer? Not for an instant. I don't even remotely think that that's a possibility. Really? I'm, I'm going to go right out. Of, I got I to gotta shoot it. I, I have no, in in my heart of hearts, I have never in my, I mean, I guess probably when I, I don't want to take you down a notch or anything, but like when I was in middle school, I'm sure I did. Yeah, I'm sure I was like, yeah, this definitely sounds possible. Now I'm like, Really? Mm-hmm. that's re- i mean like you do you feel like when you're gonna wear this now that that's what's gonna happen like do you uh, like the question is i guess is it the chicken or the egg right like do, if you didn't get that thing right if somebody just gave it to you like they're like a placebo right and they gave you the rock bracelet and then they said afterwards how did you feel do you think you'd come up with any of that stuff that you just read I might, but that is, I mean, that's the interesting thing. Is it one, the object, two, the mind and the belief that the object can give you this and the object's a complete placebo, or is it a combination of the two? So interesting. The other way to think about it is, um, do you take any supplements that are non-pharmaceutical or over-the-counter? 
Not a, not a one. Like turmeric or um, garlic or take anything completely natural. Nope. I do not take any of those things. Oh, interesting. Um, because that is essentially is the same sort of premise that people would take, you know, very natural things grown of the earth that provide, you know, the nutrients and energy that their body needs for different, like turmeric, for it's, instance. It's a, it's a little it, different though, right? I mean, it's a little different because you're actually ingesting something where I do believe that like, like caffeine, you ingest caffeine, it's going to give you energy. This I understand. If you place caffeine on your forehead, I don't think you're going to get any energy. That I don't think is going to happen. You know what I mean? So you don't believe that you soak in elements and nutrients when you touch things? Sunscreen. Uh, when you put sunscreen on, does it absorb into your body? Do those chemicals go yeah, into but do you? Absolutely. But do you feel any difference in your energy level when you put on sunscreen? Do you no, feel you more relaxed? Or you might get cancer. <laughs> a, you Johnson will feel a difference Johnson. then. That, a well, it might go the other way. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you right now from a guy who, who was sitting there surfing early mornings in Israel for years going, it's too early going to do anything to me. I got skin cancer on different parts, on three different parts of my body. Yep. And I went, I'm using sunscreen from this point on. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was not fun. So I'll tell you, can I just tell you a little way before we go on with it? Can I tell you a little funny side note on that? Yes, when I got that, just to tell you a little cultural difference about Israel, come on, just okay. bear, you know, bear with me. Yeah. So yeah, I, so the this, first time the Jewish side and some, no, oh, it's not a Jewish side. It's just random a Jewish habit. fact for the day. <laughs> so they're, they're coming, but this is not it. So I go, I don't do any research. It's socialized we medicine. Noticed. Yeah, exactly. I don't do any research on the doctor I'm going to use. Socialized medicine. I, you know, this is where the person says to go. This is where I go. So I go to the doctor and he sets me up on the table and he's going to do the little incision that he's going to do and whatever. And before he does it, he says in Hebrew, well, good luck. And I went, what? what? No, that's not what you say right before you, the doctor, are about to perform a procedure. That's not the here, this does not instill confidence. And he was like, yep, good luck. Just side note. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And especially because he's the one doing all the work, right? Oh, you're breaking up a bit. Hopefully we're still recording. It says your internet's unstable. You're unstable. Okay. Am I back? Are you stable? I think I'm stable now. I hope All I'm right. stable. No, it says I'm unstable, but let's just pretend I'm stable. <laughs> Go ahead. I'd be unstable if my doctor said good luck to me right before he was about to cut me open. It completely put, threw me for a loop. And I think it's a total sort of culturalism of like Hebrew versus English. Remember? He, you know, it probably doesn't mean the, say, the way that I said it, but that is definitely the way I heard it. Okay. So back to the topic. So have you ever had a object that you thought was lucky for you or that you kind of went to like a go-to thing you did? Did I ever have an object that I thought was a lucky object for me? Um, I'll do this. I'll give you one. I definitely have um, 
like the way that sports players feel like they don't change their jock strap or their, you know, yes. socks and right. So I, I have a, a couple different sets of tools that I use when I do Brit Mila. Uh-huh. And there is like one set that I sort of resonate with more than the other ones and feel a little better when I'm using, mm-hmm. but that's about, that's about as far as I go. You know what I mean? Like, and I think it's more because I think they are the newer, better, you know what I mean? It's just, that's just the way I feel about it, but it doesn't make me feel like I'm luckier. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So my first surfboard was an eight, six slug. It was, um, just a fun shape board, something to ride anything anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, obviously could catch, you know, any wave on it. Um, Mm Uh, sorry, the board could catch any wave. My my, <laughs> my, my ability, my ability was not there. <laughs> the board could catch any wave, really. But there was a very uh, so, and I'd play with other boards and borrow other boards, and had you know, at, at one time I had three different boards, but I had another. It was probably just a tad longer, same shape and everything. But for some reason, my first slug could catch waves at this one beach in Rhode Island. And the other one that was probably just two inches longer, I couldn't get, I couldn't get a single wave on it. And so I go to this board and I was like, this one's, this one's the the lucky Gansett board. So I would take it out rather than the other one every time. And I felt like there was something about that board that had the, you know, the potential again, they were nearly identical boards Right. And it just didn't, I don't know. There was something about that board. So it's funny you said it because there was definitely a story I heard once. First of all, I'm, when I'm out in the water, I am a triangulation guy. Do you know what I mean by that? <clears throat> I will pick two spots and I will, when I sort of find, like I start to catch waves that I feel like, okay, this is, might be the spot where it's breaking a little better. I'll pick two spots um, in a 90 degree angle on the beach, right? So the one that's off to my you know, right and one that's straight towards the beach. And I will pick those two spots mm-hmm. and that's where I will triangulate myself to pretty much for the rest of the, unless it gets, you know, does it starts to crap out or something and I need to go pick another spot. That's where I'll be. Right. And, and this is no, people do this and they, they, they do that so that they know exactly where they are on the reef. Right. But it, I heard a great story this one. So I don't really, I feel like I don't leave much to chance. I will sit there I have given up on, I used to run around a lot more. I used to paddle back and forth and think like, oh, it looks a little better right here. Oh, something's coming in over here. And I sort of have gotten to the point where I go, something throughout this time that I'm sitting here is going to come to me here where I'm sitting. But the story I heard that was fantastic was a story about, I mean, because we all know that there are people who are in the water who are just luckier. Like they do have some sort of gravitational pull. Waves come to them more. They get the better wave of the day. Everybody knows this. Um, And I think the story was about Tom Curran. And he always had, like the guy who was writing the story says, he always got the best wave of the day. And this one day, I said to him, hey, your wife is calling you or something, which made them have to paddle over to a different spot to then get out. And that's when he got the wave of the day. And the guy writing the article went like, ha ha, I got him to get the good wave. It wasn't only, you know, like he felt like he had yeah. somehow like thwart, like undethroned him in some way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, there's definitely something to that. Um Lots of people definitely feel like that, you know, a board is going to do it for them. I never really had that thing. I feel more comfortable on things. Like I'll have a board that I say like, this is the board that I feel more comfortable on, mm-hmm. but not, not that I think it's going to get me better waves or. Sure. You know. Now to relate it to the religious culture in Christianity, there's sometimes 
um, there's this sense that um, pastors and church leaders like imbibe the spirit of God into objects, right? So there mm-hmm. is um, this um, vast migration, this, you know, people will go to Israel and take the sand from uh, different places in the Holy Land where, where supposedly, you know, Jesus had walked or biblical events that happened, they'll take the sand and they'll put it into vials and they'll put it in crosses. And they believe that that sand somehow carries the, you know, the spirit of God or mm. holy water, right? Holy water in its very basic form right. is, um, you know, God's spirit coming into a water and it's imbibed by a blessing of a priest or mm. pastor, right? And people have this belief that that water is, you know, special and it carries with it some magical power. Do, does the Jewish culture have anything similar? So I want to say there's something, there are similarities and differences here. But the first thing I want to say is, isn't there something about the Church of the Holy Sepulchre that, that the stone where Jesus sort of laid down on right before he died or something like that, that people rub things on it, that stone to sort of get that, mm-hmm. I don't know what to call yeah, it. It's very, dis, it's, it's, by, it's only related to kind of what I understand of Christianity by name. It's it's very removed. It's like a almost a sect of some sort. But yeah, there is oh, okay. there is so, there is a group that does that. Yeah. What's interesting is we have, I mean, the first step in sort of answering your question is it needs to be pointed out that um, the word holy in our tradition is comes from the word uh, come from three different letters, kuf dalad shin, which means kadosh, right? And that's the closest word that we have to holy, but holy in Judaism means distinct. It means more like the way I think we've talked about before that there's the whole week and then there's Shabbat. Shabbat is not better or worse. It's just different. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and there's this interesting thing that happens is that if you were to take some object and make it holy, if you will, that's what the English word we're going to use, even though it's not a perfect translation. If I were to make something holy, that now means that that object is no longer mine and I've given it to the temple. That's the process that we we used to go through. Um, we don't have that anymore. But if you were to actually do that in some way, if you were to do that today, it would be illegal for me to actually use that object in any way. I'd be stealing, in a sense, from God, but from the temple, and I wouldn't be allowed to use it. So, mm-hmm. like, we have this sort of opposite response to it, where we don't want to turn things holy because then they become not ours anymore. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like you'll catch um, on that's fire the first and burn. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, and then you have to if, if artifact. Right. If something actually becomes holy, then then you actually have to really care for it and make sure that it doesn't get damaged. All sorts of things. It becomes a huge headache. So that's number one. Number two, the whole the only thing that we have close to holy water um, is not something that any. It's nothing that you say a blessing over. It's um, a certain collection of a certain amount of water that comes from a natural source. Could be rain. Could be a, a, a river. Um, and that's the thing that we use to um, take our state, even though we really can't do it at this day and age without the temple, but it's to use to make our state go from what's a state of being pure, impure to pure. 
Um, so it's called a mikvah. That's the, 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 it's like a holy ritual bath. And what you do is, is if you needed to, uh, become pure, you would go into that and you would dip into it. So when people convert to Judaism, they dip into it a few times. Um, but it's an interesting thing because that people definitely have a spiritual, I feel like, especially when they're converting, have a spiritual experience going in and coming out of the water. Um, but the water itself, like, let's say we needed to get rid of it or this or that. It's just water. It's not, you know what I mean? It's, there's no, it's not like something that takes on that status that I was talking about, about other things. It's just water. So, um, it's, so yeah, so there's similarities to what you're talking about, but differences as well. Um, there are a lot of things I think that, I think that people in Judaism, I'll say, I'll say this relate to the idea of what you're talking about. Um, I'm trying to put it best into words. I think people, especially when they first start experiencing religion, now I don't want to say this in a bad way, um, are looking for some sort of magic. Do you know what I mean? They're looking for something otherworldly and they want to see it in this world. And Judaism is very much centered on that. That doesn't really, we don't, we're not really seeing those things. We won't see those things necessarily in this world. Otherworldly is for other world times, not for now. Um, but people do look for their rabbit's foots and their other things. And, um, and there's this tension between two sects of Judaism. It's not really a sect, but there's a, a stream of study called Kabbalah. Kabbalah has been taken on. You might've heard of it because. Um, Just tell them the, the correct one, uh, which, which sect is better. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Madonna started, you know, doing Kabbalah. I believe a lot of uh, stars, I think Bono started doing Kabbalah. There was a lot of people in the last like 20 years who started getting into Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. And there are people who push back against that and say, this is just not Judaism. This is not what we do. Um, so there's this tension uh, between the two things you're talking about. What? Are, give me an example of something, you know, so what happens with holy water? If a, if, if a priest blesses holy water, what then happens? I don't know. I'm not a priest. Oh, I mean, then what happens with holy water? What do you do with it? What do people yeah, use so it for? It, it acts as, ble- I mean, people, it, it's for the blessing of people. It's for protection and anointment at times. Well, there's also an anointing oil we would use that is in the same way, you know, blessed by God. Um, it's, is it for fighting vampires? I thought it was for fighting vampires. Did I, did I got that wrong? Yeah, for fighting vampires. But it, if I said that on the podcast, people, you know, they get in trouble and probably fire. Oh, so I'm glad I took you. I'm glad I said it. I don't want to be, you know, <laughs> if you call out vampires, they're obviously going to come uh, after you. So it's just, that's true. You got to be careful. Um, yeah. So essentially holy water is like an, an object to use for blessing. So people use it to make the mark of the cross on themselves. Um, use it, it prior to, you know, surgeries or hospitalizations priests and pastors will go in and use holy water for blessing again oil for anointing and protection you know and the but the question is just like the just like my bracelet is the spirit of god in those things or is it a tool we use to um to share those blessings in a tangible way right like is me saying to someone in the hospital God's going to protect you any different than pouring water over their head or is water just helping them with, Oh, God is in that thing. You know, like in the, in, you know, like in my bracelet, like, is it, if I just tell myself, Hey, be peaceful and creative, you know, is the bracelet half that power or is it just a tool to help share that power? Right. Cause I think our brains, 
somehow get, we understand tangible things, but we really want a power that's, that's bigger, more metaphysical or spiritual or super supernatural. Like you said, they come, people come to religion expecting some transformation, right? They want to feel high and yet most of it's very normal, right? You're not going to feel like you just, you know, smoked a joint when you leave temple, but that's what people sometimes expect. Like, I don't feel any different. I don't look different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think it takes like, here's this object and it's got God's power in it. If you carry it, you have God's power. It's like a, you know, like the power Rangers and their, their uh, bracelets, right? Like they pass. I mean, it reminded me of the, of, of how they described, which is so funny because it's not how I don't think Jews ever described it this way that I know of, but the Ark of the Covenant, right? That if you had the Ark of the Covenant, then you had the God's power. That's what that was all about. Yep. Yep. And so it's interesting because I think I think the the traditional uh, traditionalists in Judaism I think push back against that because I think what happens is is that on the one side I hear what you're saying and I do think that people need uh, physical representations of things they need ritual they need to you know um, help in some ways it probably helps people it could help pe- people feel closer to God I hear that um, I think what what most of the traditionalists sort of pull back away from it is because they feel that once you say the words, God is in there, that in Judaism is like, you can't, you can't bottle God up in any way. God, God is either everywhere or maybe even nowhere, but mostly everywhere. And if you're, I think that's part of the tension as well, is that when you say, um, I'm going to take this thing, I'm going to imbue it with something. And then God is there it, it, it inhibits, it, it sort of exhibits some control over God. And we're very hesitant about saying that you can control God. Like many people say things like, um, you know, it says uh, in one of the tractates of the Talmud, right? In one section of the Talmud, it says, if you, um, if you keep the mitzvot, if you keep the commandments, then life will be good for you, right? But people like to do it the opposite way. They like to say, ah, I'm going to do the mitzvot. I'm going to keep the commandments so that God will make life good for me. But you don't get that. I'm sorry. It doesn't work in that direction, right? Earn, yeah, you don't you can't earn it. It's just, it's, it's not even an earning. People sometimes want to use it as almost like a, I'm going to do this. And then that's going to make God have to do that. That doesn't work. We don't, we don't, it doesn't work like that. Right. So I think that's where people have this sort of, and I, I'm probably myself as well, feel some hesitancy about all of this is that, are you trying to control God or are you going to misuse this and think that you can control God? And that's, that's nerve wracking for some of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's not a, I think it's not, I don't think people are, well, for the most part, the good natured folks aren't trying to control it. They're just finding places where I think we've seen uh, in the Bible that these have been helpful ways. Like you mentioned the Ark of the Covenant, right? Um, now, is that the pile of rocks that they would use as a, as a temple, right? After they, or is that a different? No, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the way that I believe, I mean, if you're going to like what had happened the, in Indiana the, Jones. My, my question was uh, more, what's the, what is the pile of rocks where they'd stack up rocks and they would say, God that's called a, it's called, in Hebrew, it's called a matseva. It's called, um, I'm trying to remember what the English is. Um, but you'd pour oil over it, right? Yeah, that was the yeah. what you're thinking of, right? Yeah, so after so the Red was, Sea, they, they did so we're it talking after. very right. We're talking very early biblical. Even I mean, most of it that we hear about is actually pre 
um, splitting of the of the sea. It's back. This is what both uh, Abraham would do, Isaac and Jacob. Yeah. They would make these um, pile of rocks, and they would say this is a sort of dedication in some way to God, and they would pour oil over it, and and then. But people you know, would still would... go there to yes. remember God is with us, right? So yes, yes. In the same way, they felt like and and. I see what you're saying about some folks. It's not a controlling of God, but how much different is that that we build buildings or make a pile of rocks or put a candle on our living room table and say, oh, this is where, you know, this is where I get the nourishment or reminder or energy that I need from God, right? Is mm. that so much different than, you know, sort of carrying around holy water or believing, you know, I have a lucky surfboard or, you know, that the energy from stones and crystals might be guided by me, right? Like, and I think so, there's some balance where, right. uh, you know, the, there's a metaphysical energy that comes from just putting your energy towards, okay, I want to be peaceful today. So I'm going to go light this candle and build this pile mm -hmm. of rocks and go to the temple. And every reminder of being peaceful may not have come from that place on its own, but it's drawing from, uh, you know, directing your mental energy toward peace, peace, peace. Yep. No, I think, listen, again, um, just like everything else in the world, it depends on how you use it. What's interesting is that in Judaism, we pulled away from very quickly, I feel like, uh, we pulled away from making these um, uh, matzevot, as they're called, right? We pulled away from making these pile of rocks. It's in, and and it, actually one of the key indicators that we pulled away from this sort of behavior and thought process was the fact that uh, Moses never made it into the Holy Land. He never made it into the Promised Land, right? There's a whole thing that's given over about when he struck the rock and then he was supposed to speak to the rock and then the water was supposed to come out. And that is why he was punished and not allowed to go into Israel, right? But many believe that that was kind of a, a rewriting of history, if you Yeah. Knows where Moses is buried, because if people did know where Moses was buried, it would have been a thing. It would have become probably a, a larger than you know anything else that we've seen. We we, ha we actually know where the the grave sites are for many of the um, of our forefathers and foremothers, and people do visit them, and that is part of what we're talking about. Many people do go to those sites and they pray, um, and sometimes uh, they they feel like those prayers were answered or specifically heard maybe in a better, more efficacious way um, because they were at that grave. Um, I, I myself have always felt that th there seems to be um, a problem, right, with that. That if you think that God is everywhere, it shouldn't matter that I went to this grave or this site or this place, right? Even, even to use an example like the Western Wall, right? People go to the Western Wall to pray there all the time. And they stick little notes inside that they write their prayers on and they stick them into the cracks. And in fact, those are actually cleaned out once a year. They're, they clean out all the little notes. And I don't even remember, I think they bury them. Um, but they but all these things are done. Um, and I've always sort of felt, I don't, and I don't think I'm alone. There's something amiss here that if you really do believe theologically that God is everywhere, God is hearing your prayers. Um, the only real place that I feel like God hears prayer better than other places is when you're in 
a group of people who are praying together, I believe that that gains some sort of energy, right? Okay. That it's that's good. Yes. So that may transition well to back to my bracelet too, because it's been proven scientifically through physics that um, essentially matter is ninety nine point nine percent empty space, and so mm-hmm. like everything you touch that's solid is only feels solid because there's two very very close particles vibrating, moving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so when you push on them, we don't recognize the tension because there's billions of them in your desk, in your arm, on your computer. It feels solid, right? And it's all vibrating. And those vibrations are producing energy, just like the movement of the um, pistons in, in your car engine are producing energy for your car to move, right? That energy essentially converts. And you're talking about the energy of people in a crowd, right? the massive amounts of energy that are in a person connect next to another person next to another person are the same as a cell. So if your energy can pervade and all point itself towards being grateful or excited or joyous, right? Essentially Mm -hmm. that energy all together, whether it's in a rock or in a group of people, if we all point our energy and our vibrations towards one thing, it's creating the vibrations, the spiritual force to create a feeling or a healing or a movement, right? And that's the the science both behind community, but also behind these crystals that I'm wearing, the turquoise, right? Do mm-hmm. you got do you have a sense that I mean when you so like big groups, right? Like you're talking about concerts or um sporting events or even church services, do you ever feel like you're at a higher level and connected with everybody else around you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, but, but do you see the difference in what you're saying? No, the difference is not that if I were to take the, the, the way that people use a rabbit's foot or right, it would be to say, I go to synagogue or I go to church so that God answers my prayers. See what I'm saying? Like, and, and I'm going to do this so that it protects me. I'm going to go there so that I'm protected so that I won't get cancer and I won't and and we all know that's not true, right? That's not how all of this works, right? Lots of people who go to synagogue and go to church, you know, like a rabbit's foot. What I think the difference was, and what I'm saying is that we believe with having absolutely no physical evidence whatsoever that our prayers are heard better when we do it in a group. We believe it, Right. But do I know it, right? Do I know it in a way like, no, because I'm sure I've prayed a million times for lots of people to have healing and, you know, they didn't. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter that I went and prayed with a lot of people, but but I feel and hope and pray that my chances are better to, you know, my, my prayers have a more chance of being heard better um, in a larger group. Right. Yeah, I think, but it's it's not it's not the but, I, like but how it. Let me let me, let me let me give you another example that we have because we have. What's that? I don't think it's how it gets done. Like using a crystal doesn't do the healing, but it adds energy and focus to whatever you're trying to accomplish. You know, no, I listen. The same way, you're, the language you're using right now doesn't sort of make me pull back. I'll give you language that, that, that happens in Judaism. People, you're arguing with someone who's not on the podcast. Correct. I'm arguing with someone who's not on the podcast. No, I'm serious. If you, if you believe, and it doesn't even really matter, right? Because what you're talking about again um, is an example of using this bracelet for having certain folk 
phoscuses, is that the plural? Foci. Having certain foci, thank you. Foci. Having certain foci, phoscuses, having certain of those so that your your brain and your body and your thing are doing the things that you want them to do. I, I don't feel that that's the, that is as um, trouble. I don't know if trouble, troubling is a strong word, but makes me as nervous as people who say things like, I'll give you an example. In Judaism, there are many people who say, you're having bad luck. Things aren't going well for you. You need to check the um, the little piece of paper. It's actually a piece of parchment that's inside your uh, mezuzah, which is the thing that we hang on the door, right? You need to check the mezuzah and make sure that all the letters are correct because if the letters are off, then you're not getting the protection of your house that the mezuzah gives. And people will cite story after story of things like that. I have friends who had a who, who were having trouble conceiving for a very long time. Um, one of the rabbis said, well, you've tried everything. Why don't you go and have your um, phylacteries checked, which are those things that we wrap, the leather straps that we wrap on our arms, which has the same um, parchment inside. He got it checked. Two of the letters were off. Sure enough, when they got it, he got it fixed. Nine months to the day the baby was born, right? I've heard story after story after story like this. I don't have any problem with those stories in retrospect, in a sense. Do you know what I mean? I have a problem with the stories as prescribing sort of a medical, uh, you know, or a, a, a sort of technical way. Like I've got a stereo instructions of how you can get God to do what you want. Do you know what I mean? That to me is what, what makes me go, uh, miracle drug. Yeah. Like that's, that's not what I'm talking about. There are definitely, listen, there's a, there's an amazing, um, there's amazing spot in the Gemara and the, in the Talmud that says, um, it goes, there's so many different times when the rabbis are talking in this 2000 year old document about these things called shading. Shading are these, um, bad, um, they're almost like demons. That's the, probably the best way to translate it, that there are demons everywhere that the rabbis are just talking about them. And we're, and whenever you're reading them now in your modern sensibilities, you go, I don't understand how this could possibly have been a thing that we believe, but we believe that if you did three cups of wine at the Seder over on Passover, that that would be a, would be a reason for the demons to come after you. So we have to do four cups and not three cups or, and like, that's really what's said. And then in this conversation, it says the most amazing thing, which I think is totally true to what we're talking about. And it works on all levels. It says the rabbis say, what is the deal with these, these, these demons? What's the deal with the demons? Do they really exist? And the, and the, the answer that the Gemara gives is it exists for the people who believe that they exist. Right. So it's and, and like saying what, what we're talking about on a deeper level, that there's this energy that can be, you know, contagious and utilize whatever's connected to it. If people are sort of, you know, recognize it and, and invite it to help and to be a part of that. Ah, so you can do it in the positive and you can do it in the negative, right? Because we were talking about demons a second ago, right? If you're going to walk around every day and every single thing, you stub your toe, you this, you that, you're going to think, oh, I should have turned the keys six times or I should have sh- you know, shaken my keys, whatever. And the, the Kamara is going to say for those people, it, it does exist. So what I want to what I want to sort of caution and, and sort of advise people if you're going to use this in a positive way, almost like a self-help book, right? If you're going to use it in a way to make the world better, right? If you're going to use it, like you said, to, to increase love and peace in the world, this is a great thing. Okay. I don't have any problem with that. But if you're going to think that you, you, you could easily be very let down in the end of the day, if somebody teaches you 
that your religion teaches, and I'm not saying you said this, but that one's religion is teaching that if you do X, X, and X, that is a prescription for having a positive long life. That is very dangerous because people will believe that if you tell them that. that. No one's, no one here is saying that. But so, so adding to this, my, my Oh, friend, not on our podcast. <laughs> my friend Connie gave me this not on book, our podcast this book just yesterday that I want to show you and, and share with the listeners. It's called the miracle of water by Masaru Emoto. And um, this guy's photographed water crystals and research. And what he does is he'll um, speak to the water before he photographs the water crystals. Mm. And he'll say things like love and I love you. Um, you're beautiful. You you have um, hope and determination in the world. And then he'll photograph the water crystals. And what he found is profound. At a microscopic level, we're talking about. Yeah, obviously, it's not like okay. a cup of water on every page. So I'm no, gonna, I'm just giving people. I'm looking at the picture. I'm not sure if people can see the picture in their ears. So go so, ahead. So he speaks to water, takes a picture of a of a water crystal on a microscopic level. Can you see that top one pretty well, Jamie? Yes, I can. So that top one is, how does it look? Give us some descriptive words. I would say it looks kind of like a snowflake. It's got like lots of different crystalline. It, it looks almost like a diamond. Like a like it really is very beautiful. Very beautiful. And the word that he said to it before was beautiful. Oh, I didn't even notice so, that because so it was a little. Said, he said beautiful repeatedly and came out. And it's a very ornate, pleasing to look at design. It's like a piece of art, basically. Uh, water crystal. Now, the one below it don't what does that one look like is it uh give some descriptive words i guess looks like it looks like a leather face it looks doesn't look nice at all it looks like you know i don't know it looks like a canister for film that got like dented in the middle and then somebody <laughs> shot it a couple times over the top and around and it the rotted, edges it rotted a bit the word oh was, yeah it doesn't look good at all spoke to that water crystal before he took the picture can you see it yeah it was ugly ugly so yeah. he just and it worked Yeah, he just spoke energy into these water crystals and they sort of transmuted that energy into something that physically looked ugly or beautiful. And there's countless pictures in here. There's hope and despair. Um, There's words like, um, you know, he does um, home cooking and it's this very well put together image. And then he, he talks about convenience foods like McDonald's and it's the water crystal. Look at that. It's just a square. Oh my God. It's just like the most basic, non-interesting thing ever. Anyway, um, and so the the thesis that he has after doing all this research is with our bodies being 70% water, we create an energy that, you know, drives our, our even our own selves by, you know, affirming ourselves, telling ourselves we're beautiful. Like it creates this, this vibrational energy that changes the actual structure of water I mean, and it may go beyond that to the other stuff in our body, but that's not what the book's about, right? But how does that change our whole physiological makeup changes when we when we bring energy in that is, you know, good or bad? Like you said, like if you tell yourself you're a loser and say it's not going to be great, you know, everything in your body is contouring to look that way. It's fascinating to me that that's factually now proven in, in you know, photographic evidence. I think also what's interesting is probably, I'm guessing here, but it probably isn't uh, necessarily the word, right? The word isn't probably so relevant. It's the energy, the way that you're relating to the thing opposite you, right? Because like, of course, yeah. there's, when he there's says a lots beauty, of different words. When he says beauty, right. he's thinking beauty. Yeah. 
because right. I, in, obviously there's there's hundreds of languages he could have said the words in and it would have yeah but i also was thinking of the way you speak to a dog right or with, you remember in uh three men and a baby there's that great scene where i think ted danson is reading to the baby but he's reading like a completely filthy novel and, but he's reading it in the sing song voice that you would read to a child, you know, and he's like, uh-huh. and then she took off his shirt. Like it doesn't, it, the energy was what he was putting out, not the words, the words were not so relevant. So anyway, so I, I mean, look, there's, uh, again, I, I don't think that there's, I think that's indisputable. And I think we all probably knew that in some way, when you think about the way it feels when someone speaks to you, right? If somebody says something not nice to you and calls you ugly, you feel ugly and you feel the way that that water drop felt, right? But when somebody speaks to you in a positive, uplifting way, then that totally changes everything and it can change, you know, your whole life. But do I, you know, your question in the beginning, do I believe that a bracelet does the same thing or something similar to what a person does? I don't, I didn't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're proving you're Let's, I want to go back to what we talked about the last episode where we talked about God being everywhere. And oftentimes our, our brains, mm-hmm. um, what do they call it when we make God have a body? Like we think that God has hands. Anthropoform- anthropomorphizing God. Right? There you That's go. That was word. good. And that wasn't even a yes. Jewish word. Yeah, that was good. Yes. Um, so we anthropomorphize God and, and give him hands and feet and such. But what if the way we, you know, our, our premise for the last episode was God is everywhere. And I wonder if maybe mm. part of how God is everywhere is through that pervasive energy and vibrations that we're talking about, you know, and it's factually true. My bracelet has vibrations. And what if those are the positive stabilizing energy? And part of it is it, it, it contributes to all the other energy in my body and helps my mind point energy towards that. And that's all God's work. And we're just gathering the things that have like-minded energy, like praying, like singing in worship, like hearing a sermon. Those all contribute to the same energy my bracelet does. This one just happens to be, you know, with me all the time. You know, I don't think the bracelet creates it for me, but I wonder if God's work is more metaphysical and what we call Eastern medicine, then we, you know, we often assume because we want to put God into a body and into a building and into a, uh, you know, like you said, you've got to put it in a holy space. It's got to be locked up in the temple or else my, my soul is going to burn out and I'm going to turn into dust. So it's interesting because what I think your bracelet, I think the way I would relate to your bracelet in something that we have in Judaism, it would be, there are two things that we're told um, to wear. One is uh, phylacteries, which are called tefillin in Hebrew. Those are those leather boxes that we wrap on, we put between our eyes on our head and one on our um, arm. And uh, the other is the thing that we call tzitzit, which are those fringes that you might see people walking around with that hang out, right? And the reason that we're told to wear those things is that we have to remind ourselves to do God's commandments, Right. And so I would think of your bracelet as like a reminder to keep that positive energy, you know, in mind during your day. Now, that might not be the way that you're thinking that it's working, but I think that there's something very powerful about that at some point during the revelatory process, God said, you know what? Um, These people need reminders to remember to do what they're 
are being asked to do. And again, I think the overall overarching goal of the commandments is to make the world, not only ourselves, the Jewish people, but the world, the most moral place possible, right? That we can be the most moral, um, upstanding, wonderful, loving beings that we can possibly be. That's the closest thing that you can do um, in, in sort of reflecting God in the world. So that, that God said, Hey, you need a reminder. So yeah, in a sense, we have the bracelet, right? Our, our tzitzit and our, right? Those things are the reminders for us to remember to do the things that we've been asked to do and, and tasked with to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it definitely gives a more relatable sense of, you know, I still get, for you, it still sounds like there's a God removed from it all that has a, a great deal of respect. I guess the highest level of respect and authority that we are so humble that we can't, you know, assume it's touching us or with us, um, where mine seems more kind of personal that we are able to, you know, God's energy and grace are kind of with us and able to like touch and interact with in some way. But um, I definitely think that there's, you know, I think that there, there might, I think if there is, if there is a distance, it's probably a lack of, um, my people doing a good job talking about God more. That's pretty much what it is. I think God is, I mean, we just don't, we don't translate all the things that we are doing on a daily basis to, is this God that I'm interacting with at this exact moment? But we really should. We should be doing a much better job of it. So good good on you for doing a better job of it. Yeah, we're more better. No, no doubt about that. Well, this was fun. I think it's good it's not to a, wrap up. It's not a competition, man. Yeah, it's a good spot. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Jamie, good talking we, to you. Uh, we always. look forward to the next one. Hey, have a have a great, uh, what are we calling this? Sabbatical? What is it called? Sabbatical. All right, yeah. man. Enjoy it. Yeah, you too. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take it easy.